Hello everyone and welcome back to the fanfiction tapes. I'm back, motherfuckers. I'm your host today, Maya, pronouns she, her, and today I'm joined by Riley, my pronouns are they, them. And I am our producer, Ian, and my pronouns are he, him. Today's topic is one I've been kind of looking forward to this month, New Weird. And you may be asking, what the hell is New Weird? Uh, which is exactly the question I asked Ian when he suggested this uh, for the Trope Roundtable this month. Oh yeah, by the way, this is Trope Roundtable. <laughs> <laughs> I suggested this mainly as an excuse to talk about Kill Six Billion Demons, which is an excellent webcomic that you all should be reading. Yes, I am a big fan of Kill Six Billion Demons. This was around the time when I started reading it, uh, as Kill Six Billion Demons shares kind of some ancestry with Lancer and is a big art influence for this style uh, of the game, and I was a big fan of Lancer. Uh, the main artist for the Kill Six Billion Demons is also uh, one of the devs of Lancer. So, New Weird, uh, before I get too sidetracked, is this kind of weird spec fic genre that emerged in kind of almost the 90s. It's really the most defining characteristic for New Weird, I would say, is that it doesn't really fit into any of the other traditional boxes. It's the kind of the miscellaneous collection box of spec fic, which is itself already something of a miscellaneous collection box. Yeah, I, the other reason I suggested this, I, like, I'll cop to the mainly wanting to talk about Kill Six Billion Demons things, but, like, I do like genre blender stuff, and this really scratches that itch. Yeah, I mean, I I am definitely prone to the same appreciations, given basically everything. So, I guess a brief history of New Weird is kind of... The earliest consensus is that it started to emerge in the 90s with author, and I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, so apologies in advance, uh, China Mieville, and some of his works that are... first one he's known for earlier on is a sci-fi work that I am blanking on the name of. Embassy Town is what I had read about, which is more of a sci-fi, and then his 2000 Perdido Street Station was one of the most pop, one of the kind of more mainstream new weird works early on, and that one is more of a fantasy work. So it's, like Specfic, it is kind of a box of many things. Kill Six Billion Demons is... Technically sci-fi, and Kill Six Billion Demons, for readers who are not familiar, is a webcomic uh, published online by Abaddon, is the screen name of the artist. And it deals a lot with religion, spirituality, and uh, weird shit. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And for me, and kind of my generation of those uh, early 2000s Gen Z kids, New Weird holds kind of a special place for us, because some of the kids' shows we grew up with 
were pretty heavily influenced by New Weird. I remember uh, Gravity Falls being one of the few shows I actually watched as a kid, and I didn't watch it regularly, but if it was on, you know? And Gravity Falls is definitely New Weird, and kind of the, not successor show, but it's the closest thing to a Gravity Falls 2 we're likely to get. The Owl House? Spiritual successor, at least. Yeah, it's kind of a spiritual successor, and there's uh, the showrunners for both shows know each other. They dated for a long time, and so there's almost certainly some influence uh, of each on the other. The Owl House is also kind of new weird. Uh, the Owl House is the thing Disney points to when they want to pretend that they're being inclusive. New weird for kids. <laughs> Ironic, given that um, the Owl House was canceled because it didn't get enough kids to watch. Mm. That's uh, that's code for homophobia, folks. So, Riley, I believe you added this to the script, and Ian is also familiar with this. Welcome to Night Vale. Being on Tumblr, I have heard of this, but I'm not actually very familiar with Welcome to Night Vale. Is there anything either of you would like to talk about uh, with Welcome to Nightfall with respect to New Weird. It's been a little while since I listened to it regularly. It was kind of a thing I listened to on my work commute a little while back. It's described oftentimes as NPR meets Lovecraftian horror. And the thing about Lovecraft, especially when it comes to the style as it's implemented in Welcome to Night Vale, is it's just unknowable. It is the fear of something that is unknown and cannot be known. So many of the popular story arcs in the series are covering things such as the glow cloud or the dog park. These entities that we see the effects of and are helpless to the effects of but can't understand beyond that i think personally uh what i liked about welcome to night vale was uh, having grown up listening to npr with my grandfather and he particularly focus in on like car talk and Lake Wobegon. It is very much like Lake Wobegon. It has a little musical numbers or sound effects sometimes. And they talk about this little town's life as if it's completely normal to them. Like they, they talk about the mysterious place called Michigan because they, it's of course not pronounced yeah. Michigan. And they have these bonkers sponsorships and the weather is just a indie band playing a song. And I find it very charming, even though I'm not usually one for horror. I would say that the cosmic horror elements of Welcome to Night Vale are more like if you tried to play Lovecraft for whimsy rather than horror, because Cecil never treats it as 
anything other than, you know, ordinary facts of life when he's talking about, um, you know, city council or station management. Uh, I mean, he does express some amount of fear towards station management, but it's more in line with, you know, the way that an an employee would would act towards a uh, overbearing boss. Yeah, um, and that's kind of something that I've noticed with New Weird that kind of this discussion of Night Vale reminded me of is there's often horror elements. You know, there, there's things that are found in horror works, but there's not much necessarily in terms of uh, theme is almost the wrong word. Uh, it's not horrifying ah that's that's still not quite it it's there but it's not scary right there there's weird unnerving bizarre things but they aren't there to nibble your toes it's these elements that are usually presented in a horror context but they're divorced from that context there we go that's that's what I was looking for. And that's that's one of the things that I really like about New Weird, is that it's got this, this stuff that's usually in a horror context, but it doesn't always have the horror context. I, I can enjoy a good horror. I'm a big fan of Get Out, uh, and I have enjoyed the works of T. Kingfisher that I've read, but... I don't know, I just something special about it being out of context for me there's a way that these sort of horror elements are usually presented cosmic horror really plays on this um as that that we mentioned in in the cosmic horror episode that fear of the unknown is scarier than anything else and that kind of trickles through into a lot of other horror stuff Movies that feature monsters tend to be scarier when you can't see the monster. Like Alien. We rarely see the alien throughout the movie. We just catch glimpses of movement. And our brains fill in the blanks and extrapolate from that. And you see see that a lot in other horror works where... The horror is hidden from view. You don't see it until it's too late. But then you have stuff like Welcome to Night Vale and a lot of other stuff in the new weird in like Kill Six Billion Demons does this where you have things that are just bizarre, but they're put out in plain view almost from the beginning. Like from from as soon as they're introduced, they're... Oh, here's this thing. If this were any other genre, we would be putting it, giving you a glimpse of it as we're hiding it behind the curtain. But nope. Here it is. Full display. Look at that. And on to the next. Yeah. That ordinariness of it kind of takes away any fear that it might introduce. You might be left with a bit of squickiness, but you know that's up to up to personal taste. Yeah, that's 
that's down to the individual. And definitely that kind of pattern happening in Gravity Falls when I was younger, I think probably instilled me to like some of that when I would see it later on as an adult, because I saw a lot of myself in Dipper, this kind of scattered but inquisitive mind. That tracks. I see many headcanons where Dipper is trans. <laughs> Though he's trans mask usually for the headcanons, but yeah. There is something I've thought of. It might be a little bit off the normal base, but um, Ghibli films are known primarily for making a very romanticized look at the mundane. Like they portray food ordinary food is just magical experiences like in Ponyo with the ramen that has the trick to drop the plate and egg on it because it's frozen it's it's a whole thing uh but Howl's Moving Castle and Spirited Away strike me as a little weird uh Howl's Moving Castle in particular the book has a lot of elements that didn't make it into the movie there's wizards that are doing crazy stuff the witch of the waste just takes a wizard and takes a prince and mixes their bodies together just disposes of their heads they're not dead the heads are fine and her quest is to get Hal's head to complete the perfect human and Hal's the black door for Hal's castle is actually leading to our world where he will transform his clothes to be a rugby outfit and visit with his sister's family. And his nephew will ask for one of those new video games that nobody else has. And he'll just pull one out of his pocket. And it's this magic is actually, it's supposed to be magical realism. And most of the time is spent in this fantasy world. And similarly, Spirited Away is terrifying. It shows a little girl getting uh, kidnapped and facing impossible odds, confronting things like trying to figure out which of these identical pigs is actually her parents. And terrifying stakes, things that as an adult probably scare the hell out of us. And to kids, it's just fantasy. Kind of like, I don't think many people were as utterly terrified by the concept of the brave little toaster as we are looking back at it as adults, where you notice that there's like organ harvesting going on. But I think that there's room for that weird to take place outside of terror. Like uh, a lot of the things in Howl's Moving Castle, there's people uh, using magic to change their identities. Uh, Sophie's sisters trade places and names, and uh, Sophie herself is afflicted by this curse that makes her look and feel old. And Howl in the book flat out points it out. It's like, I'm starting to think you want to keep this curse because I've done everything I can to remove it, and you seem to be holding on to it. And there's a lot of commentary to be had there. But I think that there's room for this new weird to occur in lower stakes ways than Gravity Falls does with Weird Mageddon. 
Yeah, um, I must admit, I have not seen much uh, Studio Ghibli. Uh, the only thing I've seen is parts of Spirited Away when I was much younger. I think I might have been in late elementary school, and it was on uh, for some reason. Maybe it was in middle school. It was a long time ago. And I, I only remember bits and pieces now. But it, I would agree, yeah, it definitely kind of interacts with New Weird in some interesting ways. I've seen both Howl's Moving Castle and Studio Ghibli. I didn't learn until fairly recently that Howl's Moving Castle was actually based off of a book by Diana Wynne-Jones. It's a lovely audiobook, too. I have been meaning to to check it out for a while because I've read a couple other things by um, Diana Wynne-Jones, including uh, The Dark Lord of Durkholm and... Uh, another one that I'm trying to remember the name of. The first half of the book very closely follows the first half of the movie, but the last act of the movie is honestly nothing like the book. Uh, and there's very good reason for that, but the book goes far more expansive and honestly far more weird. I don't know if this is a general uh, trend in her books, but... Uh, Dark Lord of Durkholm and uh, the other other book I've read, which I'm still blanking on the name of, damn it, both involve connections between uh, our world and a fantasy world where magic exists. Mm-hmm. The Dark Lord of Durkholm is set in a fantasy world that is under the thumb of a businessman who is using it as this fantasy-themed vacation getaway for people from our universe, and it is wreaking havoc on their world. And so they engage in a plot to end the wizard tours. Good book. Go read it. That is, um... That is remarkably similar to a recent book by Brandon Sanderson that I've read. Uh, are you referring to, uh, what is it? Uh, Frugal Wizard, yeah. Yeah, Frugal Wizard. I'm sure this, this other, other one will come back to me in a little bit. I mean, I'm certain that influence is likely there. Sanderson, as I understand it, is a big nerd. Yeah. And, uh... Diana Wynne-Jones is a very prolific author who has been writing since the 70s. Wow, yeah. That's a long time to write. This does bring me to one other thing there. There does seem to be a lot of overlap between uh, New Weird and Urban Fantasy. Yes, there is. I have noticed that, and I like that. It's. I think urban fantasy is a good setting to kind of operate new weird in. There's a lot of room in the contemporary world for something like new weird, right? If you work with new weird as this, uh, juxtaposition of 
taking horror themes and putting them entirely out of context when you also have a world where you have fantasy elements that are entirely out of the fantasy context and in, you know, 2003 Chicago, there's that's already kind of a fertile ground for playing with those themes, if that makes sense. Ah, I've remembered the name of the other book, A Sudden Wild Magic. I might have to check those out. I, um, after we had the listener write in talking about the So You Want to Be a Wizard books, mm-hmm. I went ahead and checked um, the first one out the other day and finished it a couple nights ago. And I think that series kind of fits into New Weird as well a little bit uh, with... It's, it's not quite New Weird. It's not quite weird enough for New Weird. Uh, but it's like a, it's like a baby steps to New Weird. You know, if you're kind of picky about things and want to see if you might like New Weird, I might check out uh, So You Want to Be a Wizard first. Because you have kind of these themes of, I believe, as Elise put it, uh, cosmic horror and cosmic wonder operating on within uh, a young adult novel that is set in New York in, like, the 90s. Maybe earlier. Uh, So I kind of listed in the script all of the new weird works I'm personally familiar with. Um, Ian and Riley, do you have any other new weird things you'd like to mention? Thing is immediately coming to mind. I do, actually. I'm assuming you both have heard of the SCP Foundation. Oh, shit. Yeah, I forgot about SCP. It's probably one of those SCPs that made you forget. So for anyone who hasn't heard of SCP, the SCP Foundation is a collaborative fiction wiki that originated on 4chan. I think it originated in particular on the the X board for paranormal discussions, but it was a photograph of a statue accompanied by a text written in the style of a dossier outlining containment procedures for a paranormal object. And it has grown over the years into a work of collaborative fiction with its own website and hundreds, uh, I think at this point, thousands of entries. Um, It's, I really enjoy reading. I think I discovered it in high school. Well, I had to have because during high school I planned a, uh, SCP uh, TTRPG that never really got off the ground. But yeah, SCP is definitely new weird and it's it's kind of more of a horror entry um than most of what we've talked about in new weird today. Mhm. I mean not all of it is particularly scary. I mean No, no. The red gem that changes your gender. <laughs> <laughs> but like kind of, you know, on average overall it tends to lean more into horror than 
most of the other new weird stuff we've talked about so far. It it's it's in the originating uh uh post. Um because the original I, the the original post about the statue is that whenever it's not being directly looked at, it comes to life and um breaks your neck. And that's uh one seventy three, right? I think so, or one thirty seven or one thirty two, somewhere in there. And there are a lot of other entries that uh feature things that are just hostile. There's there's the indestructible man who will kill you if you look at his face. And other many other such things. It's also kind of indicated in the the name of it. Uh, SCP stands for Secure, Contain, Protect. So ostensibly, this is a organization that finds dangerous things and, you know, puts them in containment. Secures, contains, and protects everyone else from them. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it was 173 is the original SCP that we're thinking of. Thank you. I've read a couple of them. Notable to me is SCP-3001, which is a infinite maze Ikea uh, with... Oh, yeah, that one. Inhuman workers that become immediately hostile to anyone left in the store after dark. It is a fascinating read. I, I recommend just going on the SCP wiki and going to random stuff because it's fun. But some of them can get a little bit more into the uh, horror genre. So if that's not your thing, be aware, I guess. Before we go, do we have any advice for writing new weird? Be weird. Have fun. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I think, the theme from a lot of the media I've consumed. is just, there's a healthy amount of shitposting. Any contributions from you, Ian? No, I don't. I think that's it. Just embrace the weird. Yeah, don't don't be afraid to get strange with it. Uh, Tell Six Billion Demons is downright bizarre, even in the open. And it's found its audience. It does quite well. Do we have anything in the mailbox, Ian? No new mail today. So, we love to hear from our listeners, so you can get in touch with us by email at fanfictapes at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment on our YouTube channel, or a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to this show. Uh, you can also get at us on Twitter, formerly X. We are at Fanfiction Tapes with a capital F and a capital T in the usual places if you were a programmer. That is, the first F and the first T in tapes are capitalized. I run that. Um, usually it's mostly just posts uh, around the time that episodes uh, go live, but sometimes I also shitpost other things there or talk about what it's like behind the scenes on the podcast. Now we have a guest today, Riley. 
Is there anywhere you would like to direct uh, our listeners if they would like more Riley content? <laughs> uh, yes, my name is Riley Quinn. My website is Riley Quinn the Fool, where you can find out more about my published book. It is a romance for anyone who reads in that genre. I'm going to go ahead and drop the link in our uh, chat here, so we have that in the episode description for y'all. All right, well, I am and have been your host today, Maya, and I was joined by... Uh, Riley. And I have been Ian. Until next time, bye!